Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions from the weekend services and doing our best to present answers from a biblical perspective. If you haven't yet listened to the weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media for context of what we will be discussing today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us to at the uh, My Messy Church podcast. Uh, this past week, we were talking about um, about will and desire and freedom um, coming out of First Corinthians chapter six, and this uh, this idea that Paul was engaging um, that Christians had this this understanding that. Like everything is accessible to me. All, all things that I could possibly do in life are permissible to me. And so uh, Paul gives some insight onto, you know, in, into what, what exactly that means. Uh, he makes the case on the one hand that uh, while we might think all things are permissible to me, uh, not everything is beneficial. That is not everything is good. Um, and, and secondly, uh, while all things may be permissible to me, uh, there's this reality that I don't want to actually come under the power and authority of something. In other words, I don't want to. I don't want to be imprisoned by the kind of thing that I think uh, defines my freedom, uh, which is really what we find so oftentimes. So we kind of talked about that. Uh, we're gonna uh, just handle some of these questions here. A lot of questions uh, about desire and and like discerning God's will and everything. So the first one says, "How does one go about finding what God's will is for their life?" Um, so this is a good question. Um, and as far as like finding it out, I think one of the important things we have to understand is that when we're, when we're trying to discover God's will for our lives, uh, like that doesn't, the, that doesn't necessarily mean there's this very, very narrow, um, set of prescribed, um, decisions that we have to make and that like to deviate from, 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 you know, what has already been pre prescribed for us, uh, that like somehow we're going to just like end up way off of the path of this, this mysterious thing called God's will. Uh, I know, I know growing up there, there always seemed to be among, uh, especially us as like adolescent teens, uh, thinking about the future, you know, where we're going to go to school, what we're going to do with our lives, uh, who we were going to have a relationship with, who maybe we might, ultimately marry it, like there was there was always this um this cloud of fear right like somehow you'd miss it uh especially when it came to dating relationships that might turn into a, a married relationship it's like oh what if i married the wrong person and uh certainly there's there's one person that is you know god's will for my life and uh, and, and so that created all this fear. And I just, I think that the, when it comes to the will of God for our lives, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that. Uh, there's not, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't mean that like there isn't a pathway that God wants us to, to follow, but like how we ultimately navigate that, I think is, it really is a journey. Uh, and, and there's, there's no way that you would expect to, to, to never like deviate from the path, uh, you know, a little bit from time to time, but that's kind of the beauty of how we believe God is both sovereign. And we also, uh, express, you know, true free will in our lives. And somehow those two very seemingly opposite kind of forces, uh, actually work, 
uh, very much in tandem with one another if if our hearts are committed to being surrendered to Jesus. Um, so how do you like how do you find what God's will is for your life? Uh, I'd say on the on the high level, um, you know, what is common to all of us is that there are certainly things that are not God's will for our lives. And that's one of the things that we want to work to discern and understand. Uh, we don't want to do things that are contrary in a universal sense to what God's will is for our lives, right? Anytime we disobey God's law, God's commands for our lives, uh, we could say that we are stepping outside of his will because it's never going to be within the framework of God's will for us to uh, to disobey him, uh, to sin. It doesn't mean that when we disobey him or sin that God can't, you know, somehow uh, redeem even those bad choices that we make, uh, that we ultimately confess and repent, uh, kind of turn back over to him. You know, it doesn't mean that God can't take lost years of our lives and restore them or that God can't resurrect maybe what has become dead in our lives, right? That's a big part of what God actually does uh, all the time. But when it comes to discerning God's will, that's sort of the first thing. It, you know, <laughs> if I have a decision that I'm facing, I can ask myself the question and bring that question before the Lord. And that is, you know, is this, is this being done in disobedience to him? Uh, so that can be thought of in a general sense, and then it can also be thought of in a more individual and personal sense as well. And that's, uh, you know, first of all, requires ongoing communion with God, right? Like if I, if I want to actually discover what is the pathway that he has before me, then I have to, I have to spend time with him in discovering what that is. Uh, I also, I think, need to just employ the discipline of taking whatever is the next step of obedience for my life, uh, rather than trying to think 15 steps down the road or way down and, uh, you know, you know, all the, uh, then kind of work backwards to figure out the strategy for how to get there. I mean, there's a, there's a sense in which we do that when it comes to certain uh, ambitions and goals that we have. Uh, but also like, I just, sometimes I have to understand that I, I, I can't, I can't foresee the future. I can make all these great plans, right? I can, I can, I can have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan that, that has at the end of those times, some, some landmarks that help me to know that I've fulfilled the plan. But, uh, I think we all probably can recognize that in, in, in life, five years, in one sense, it's a blink. In another sense, it's it's a it's an eternity. In, in that, so many things can can derail us from whatever the plan happens to be. Um, you know, I, I can I can try to engineer to the very best of my ability how every day is going to go, but there's curveballs all along the way. And so, uh, following the will of God is it really is this this step-by-step -step and day-by-day -day kind of thing that I think if, if we're doing it right, uh, has a degree of, uh, of, of danger and recklessness and, uh, radicalness to it, you know, the, to really follow in God's will for our lives is probably going to remove us away from places of safety and comfort, uh, of insulation, right? All those things that we naturally are trying to seek and actually uh, get more for ourselves. To follow God really is uh, kind of an abandonment of those things. Uh, 
that's just sort of the life that we're called to. And so, you know, what is it God that what is it that God wants me to do next? What is it that God wants you to do next? Uh, I need to I need to start my day with with that. Uh, again, I, I wake up and I have kind of a sense of how my day is going to unfold. And uh, for the most part, most of the time, maybe it does do that with the occasional unexpected twist here or there. Um, but really, I think I need to I need to have this this attitude uh, as I begin my day with, all right, God, well, I, here are my plans. Here's what I've set out to do. Here's what my heart uh, is oriented toward. But hey, um, what did you have in mind? What, what is it that maybe you wanted to introduce into my life that maybe it will be very, very disruptive of my plans for today and then figuring out how it meet, how it looks and what it means for me to be obedient in that. Uh, and I think that with a series of little steps over and over and over again, uh, what become a hundred steps of obedience turns into a thousand steps of obedience, turns into uh, tens of thousands of steps of obedience, turns into a lifetime or, you know, million little tiny steps of obedience that ultimately help us at some point, maybe down the road to look back and see how God's plan has actually unfolded for us, how God's will has unfolded for us, even though at various points along the way, we might not even have known the direction that we were headed. Uh, second question is, as we grow in our faith and maturity in Christ, relying on him to direct our lives, shouldn't our desires naturally move toward God's will and less of our own? Uh, I think that's a really good observation and a, and a good way to, to put it. Um, I, I don't think that it's uh, utterly absolute all the time. That is, if the thought is, well, as long as I keep growing in my faith and I keep becoming a more mature Christian, uh, and as my as my as my trust in God continues to increase, then I should expect uh, every kind of carnal or fleshly uh, or evil desire that's that, that that could possibly crop up in my life to just kind of melt away and go away. And you know that's that like that's that's not the case um, all the time. Now. Would I expect, as the writer writes here, for a lot of the desires of my life to be moving more toward God's will and less toward my own? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the, that's one of the beauties of walking with Jesus. It, and ultimately becoming more like him means not just that in a robotic form, I'm doing the things that Jesus is doing, but there's actually a transformation of my heart that's occurring at the same time. And so I will find over a period of time that my desires are starting more and more to become like the kinds of desires that that Jesus would have, right? Like if I'm becoming more like Jesus, that's not just about outward actions. It really is about inner transformation. And in fact, that's, that's really where it starts. And so uh, it could be very, very easy for me to say, uh, that four or five years ago, I had you know these various desires that I experienced in my life that were very difficult for me to overcome. Uh, sometimes I would even really I'd give in to those desires, and and then I'd have to bring them back to the cross and and bring them before God and find help and strength and grace and forgiveness for having disobeyed God and uh, instead obeying those desires. Right. But that was four years ago. And now today, 
many of those desires have just they like I don't really struggle with them anymore. Uh, some something something has changed in my heart to where I just I don't have the appetite for that anymore. Uh, I shared a little bit about um, uh, th this past Sunday. Like I I started experimenting with with intermittent intermittent fasting, which is. Uh, just reminded me of some uh, like some realities in our lives, and that is how closely, and we kind of talked about this this Sunday, how closely our will and our desire have come to one another, right? It's like anything that I want, I can have, and I can have it almost in an instant. And that's very, very unhealthy place for us to live our lives. And I think what makes it so difficult for us to actually be men and women with a real strong will, a, a will that is able to overcome the desires because all of our desires are so easy to pacify all the time. Uh, back in the end of November, I had, uh, I, I, I just, I wasn't feeling well. Um, and, and, uh, and, and I was, I was actually, I was gaining a lot of weight, uh, like fast. I, I mean, I could actually kind of, I could, I could, I could feel it, uh, when I'd, try to go and play basketball or something. I just, it, I felt more tired more quickly. I, I mean, I can't really jump high anymore anyway, but it's like, it was worse than ever. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, my feet really hurt. And so all this, all this stuff I think could be attributed to, all right, I'm just, I'm heavier than, than I've, than I used to be. And, uh, you know, I could, I could see it in the mirror and, and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, when I would, confirm by stepping on the scale that it's like, Oh, I I'm two pounds heavier this week than I was last week. And it was just, I was going in the wrong direction with that. And so at the end of November, I said, all right, I gotta, I gotta just, I gotta stop. And I kind of made a decision right in the moment that I was going to, I was going to stop eating, um, like sugary foods, stop drinking sugary drinks. Uh, I, 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 I was eating, probably in, in with, with seven dinner meals available to me in a week, at least six of them were either pasta or pizza. Uh, so all these very, um, you know, carb heavy kinds of things that weren't particularly nutritious, but I, I, you know, they're my favorite things to eat. And so I just, I cold Turkey, I was like, all right, no more. And so from, you know, on that day going in, going into, into December 1st, I just, I, I went away pretty much from all of those things. And what I found is like, I, you know, my, my body actually started having a different a desire for, for something that is more, that is more healthy. <laughs> um, where before I, like, I, I was dying for pizza. I was dying for, you know, for spaghetti, pasta, whatever. Uh, I, I found myself not needing it so much, uh, that sugary drink or, uh, that, that handful of candy. Uh, I, it, it, there's a, there's a part of me that's still like, yeah, I, I would love to be munching on some candy right now, but my, I, I, I don't have this chemical dependence. That's, that's also taking the, the simple desire for candy and, and just making it practically impossible, uh, for me to, to hold back. Um, you know, so I think spiritually speaking, same thing happens as we cultivate really good habits in our lives and, and will ourselves out of the, the, the worst habits uh, of our lives, the desires or the impulses that we had to just give into those things, they do actually start to dissipate, uh, and, uh, and, and, and lessen over time until, you know, you just find yourself with this awareness. It's like, wow, I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not dying for that thing anymore. Uh, I, I, 
again, while I, I could probably have that or enjoy that, I, I'm not, it's not like occupying my mind all the time. So, uh, so yeah, I think like as we walk with God, we ought to see our, our, our will and our desire more and more coming into alignment with his. That's why some of the, uh, some of the Bible writers were able to say things like, and you see this especially in the Psalms, um, these expressions of a person's desire to to know God's will and to do God's will, right? Like the, these exclamations of, um, "God, how I love your law!" and "Your law is life to me." I mean, that is that is not something a normal person says in any context whatsoever. I just love the law so much. But what that is is a it's a spiritual reality that the very, very best things that God has ordered and established for humanity, uh, as we are more, as our hearts are becoming more like God's hearts, we're going to find ourselves more and more in love with those same kinds of things that, that God loves, that God calls good, that have this, um, this aesthetic beauty to them that we find in the world largely just, um, you know, going away, uh, more and more, things that are beautiful and things that we would say, you know, this is how God has created and what God has called, what God has called good. Um, few people are, they're, they're revolting a lot of that. And, and, and now they're, they're going after and, and, and their hearts are being turned toward what is, what is more ugly, what in the Bible, in the words of the Bible, what, uh, what scripture might call, um, wicked, right. And they're seeing that as, as being part of the new beautiful, because what what's happening? Well, their desires are actually uh, becoming less and less like God's instead of more and more. Um, then we have this kind of block of questions uh, that really are uh, different ways of asking the same thing. So I thought I'd just kind of handle them all at the same time. Uh, so the first one is, should we have desires? Uh, what if we are content with life in general and have no real desires? So let me just, let me start with that one and I'll read these other three as well. Uh, so should we have desires? Uh, I, I shared on Sunday that the last thing in the world God wants for us is to become people of less desire, where, where our desires are, are more and more being muted until they no longer have any, any real significance in our lives. Like that's the last thing God wants for us. Now it's really interesting. There are, there are some philosophies and, and, uh, religions and movements and things like that, that, that do actually have as a part of the, the core teaching this movement toward a lack of desire. So for instance, if you consider some of the, um, the Eastern mystical religions, uh, and I'm not, I'm not an expert in these areas, but in things like uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, and and others that are like that. Uh, when you think about the the kind of spirituality that um, the that these followers are um, are reaching for, it is actually for this this realization of no desire, uh, of less desire. Uh, we've all heard of the the concept of nirvana, right? Which is this, this view that uh, a human being, well, all, I guess, you know, every living thing goes through a series uh, of iterations of existence where, where they, um, they, you know, they, they are, they are moving along and through this material world, 
with the ultimate aim of escaping the material world. And we kind of talked this Sunday about how God, he created us as material beings within a material universe. And he said of that material universe, it is good. Uh, and, and a lot of these movements and religions would, would hold the idea that, um, the material order of the universe is not good. It's, it's in fact, the thing that sort of imprisons us. And what we're reaching for is uh, an ascendancy from, uh, from that, from that material world into the state of Nirvana. And what's really interesting about Nirvana is it's, it's thought to be this, this place where all desire is finally um, gone. It, you know, we, we rid ourselves of desire because the problem with desire is that, well, we can't, we can't actually fulfill all of our desires. And so it's right in the sense that we are people who, uh, first of all, are not, we're not able to, like, we can't handle something like unlimited desire and, and therefore we can't handle things like unlimited options. Uh, and so we have desires in our lives that are going to go unmet. Right. We can't, you just can't satisfy every single thing. So there's always going to be some degree of discontentment, um, in our experience, in our, in our consciousness. So if we could just simply escape that area of consciousness and therefore that area of, uh, you know, unfulfilled, unmet desire, then we can also escape the pain that comes along with the unmet desire. So that's really, um, again, I'm kind of simplifying, I think probably lots and lots and lots of things that go into the, the, the teaching of these philosophies, but it's, Hey, when you have a desire that goes unfulfilled, it's painful. Um, the reality is we can't fulfill every desire. So for as long as we are conscious beings, we are going to experience that pain. So what is heaven quote unquote, you know, what is that? What is that perfect state of bliss? Well, it is the freedom from all of those attachments to our desire. So Again, I'd say like that is that that uh, that does not align with what with what Christians believe. Christians believe that desires are good. God built us uh, with desire, and uh, our desires are not only a force in our lives that move us, right? That keep us from just kind of being in one place and stagnant, um, but they are it, it, their ultimate purpose is to uh, allow us to experience fulfillment that comes in a relationship with God, right? Like to, to be in the perfect place as a human being is to be a person that is full of a desire for God that's pining for and wanting to, to be near to God, to be with God, to be in a relationship with God. And so, uh, we talked this Sunday about how a lot of our unmet desires, one of the, one of the beautiful parts of that, while, while those things might be really painful, uh, when, when we have, you know, here's this thing I really, really want. Um, like, like this really, really strong desire I have in my life. And it's, it's not, not only is it not being fulfilled, I'm starting to understand it's never going to be fulfilled. Well, what do I do with that? Do I, do I only allow for that to create the kind of pain that turns me inward and makes me angry about how that need is going unfulfilled or that desire is going unfulfilled? Or do I instead let it turn me and point me toward God and, 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 and find that, well, my, my, my real fulfillment, my utter fulfillment actually comes from him. There, I, I, I can move toward this place where God really becomes everything and all to me. And, and he is all that 
matters. That everything else, um, good, bad, or indifferent, just it pales in comparison. Those things that I think I love the most in this world, th that person or those people that I love the most in the world, um, they they fade into the background as I am more and more um, filled with a desire for God and experiencing where he is completely sufficient for me and there's nothing else that I need, right? And so, so desire, desire is a very powerful instrument in moving us toward God if we'll allow for our desire to, to do that. Of course, like I said, I mean, it can have the opposite effect as well. Um, what if we are content with life in general and have no real desires? Well, I, I, you know, I, uh, if a person is experiencing that, I would really caution you, uh, to say that I, I yeah, I think you're describing, a, a the kind of life that is really missing out on actual living. Like there's a really good chance that what you're doing, if you're just, uh, you know, and I, I suppose there's, you know, language is important here. There's different ways somebody could say, well, um, like the, the person might mean, well, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm content. Like I, I'm just, I'm really, really content with life. And, and there's, um, there's nothing that I'm like, like really, really dying for. There's nothing that's just got, so got my attention that I'm finding myself like paralyzed because that's all I can think about. Right. I'm not infatuated with some particular desire. Uh, and, and so if that's what you mean, I, that, that could be, that could be okay. Um, but I, I, if I could just be a little pessimistic here and say, like, if, if there's no, if, if you're not really feeling strong desire in your life for something, you're probably settling for a lesser form of the life that God has for you. Um, I, I do, if I could say it this way, I do think we ought to live with some discontent now. Uh, so, uh, Scripture tells us obviously to like learn how to be content in all situations. That's that's different from what I'm talking about. Uh, the truth is like I shouldn't be content. I, while I should be content with my with my situation, whether I have food to eat or I'm starving, right? I need to learn how to be content. Whether I'm in good times or bad times, I need to learn how to be content. There is, I think we should as Christians, we should be people who are very discontent with all kinds of things. Uh, should I be content with? Uh, the world in which I live, um, that is largely without God and living in hopelessness and despair. No, I don't think so. I think I, I think I should be very discontent about that and therefore moved and compelled to, to bring hope and to, uh, proclaim the gospel, not, not, not just because I'm a preacher, uh, and that's my job, but like any Christian ought to have that kind of impulse to see people who don't know Christ come to know Christ, to not be content with the fact that people are just living their lives apart from God and heading to an eternity where they're not going to have surrendered their lives to God. No, I we shouldn't be content with that. Um, and so, if that's if that is in fact our experience, then I, we need to get on our faces before God and 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 just begin crying out to Him, confessing. Um, this lack of burden and desire that we have for whatever it is that God is calling us into and what God wants to do with our lives. I really, really honestly believe we are all, every single one of us are supposed to be living our lives with real intent and real purpose. And the problem with living impulsively, 
which again, a person might just simply describe as eh, contentment. You know, eh, I'm happy. I'm good with things as they are. Um, that to to just to just to 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 walk and to live that kind of life um, is. Um, yeah, it's just, it really misses the heart of what God has called us into being, you know, these, these co-creators with him, these people that are living with real intent purpose. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So related to that, um, another person writes, God gives us desire, but it seems like some should go unfulfilled. How do you know what, <coughs> excuse me, how do you know what should be strived for and fulfilled and what we should not fulfill? Another person writes it this way. How do I determine if something I desire is something that God desires for me or if it is only something that I desire for myself? Uh, and then finally, so by sitting with our desires, are we not supposed to have desires to begin with? We kind of talked about that. How do we know what desires to fulfill and which ones to sit with? So again, yes, I would just affirm uh, that God created us to experience this thing called desire and those desires are unimportant. I think we also recognize that there are some things that we want that ought to go unfulfilled. And the reason is because our wants are not the determining factor as to whether or not something is good for us. That's what we talked about this Sunday. Um, uh, what we need to do then is we need to evaluate our desires according to the standard of what God has called good. And this is where scripture becomes our, our guide. Uh, it becomes instruction to us. Uh, understanding and discerning what, what God's will for our lives um, even apart from our wants and our desires, it can be very difficult because it can be so personal and it's very easy for my desires to play tricks on me and to convince me that certain things are good, uh, because they feel good or they feel, they feel right. Um, but that may not necessarily be right. Excuse me. So I, you know, I, this is where it becomes really important to just to not, uh, to not abandon the idea that we need to live this life in constant communion with God and with other people. Like we, not, we need to have people in our lives that, uh, that aren't just simply going to affirm every single thing that we want or like, or that aren't going to challenge us sometimes, or who themselves are not really committed to following and obeying God and and, and, and doing what, what God says, uh, or are, are themselves living with this heart that is oriented to God's desires and themselves are growing, uh, into beings with a, a, a heart that more reflects the desires of God. So again, I, a question I would ask somebody who is, who's asking this question is how much time are you spending in God's word? Um, how much time are you spending just are you reading the Bible? That doesn't mean that every single time you read the Bible, you're going to read and get an answer to some particular specific question. But again, in the discipline of over and over and over and over again, day after day after day, making yourself a student of God's word, you're going to find your desires are starting to move toward and become more aligned with God's desires. If you're not doing that, I just, I, I don't know how much I or anybody else could actually help you. Um, and so uh, I, I feel like I have a lot of conversations with people where 
they're 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 in their words they're like they're they're trying to live this christian life and 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 to be a good person to do the right things and maybe are even pretty disciplined in certain things like attending church and um you know as much as possible if not like like all the time but you have to you have to read you have to read god's word uh this past week i uh, had a very brief conversation with some people that are kind of, you know, relatively new to our church, new to, I'm guessing, new to the faith, um, have, you know, some faith background, but are really kind of embracing this, this whole journey of walking with Jesus and doing it within a church community. Um, and, and, and they're telling me how they, they just started reading the Bible. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Where did you start? They said, Oh, we started at the beginning. Like, where else do you start? Uh, and I was like, all right, well, that that's great. And and so they just, you know, kind of sharing a little bit of what that experience has been like. And it's just, I I couldn't help but think, man, that's just it's so beautiful. I think a lot of people, even even people that would um maybe be considered to be mature Christians because they've been known to be Christians for a long time and perhaps have even been people that others have looked up to. Um, who are uh, in in recent times straying away um, and and entertaining um, you know things that are like more and more increasingly becoming unchristian. I, I just I, I really have a hard time believing when they say, "Well, you know, I'm uh, you know I'm just allowing my you know all these things that I just." simply believed. Um, I'm, I'm, I've, I've gone through a period of kind of challenging those things and being challenged by those things and really, you know, sort of deconstructing things that I've always been told. And now, um, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of where I'm at with my faith. And I, I, I just, and a lot of times they'll say that, that, that they, it's, oh, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't love the Bible or, um, that I really appreciate what the Bible teaches or, you know, I still, I still believe in, you know, some semblance of, of the Bible, maybe just a little bit differently. I have a really hard time believing that they're actually like engrossed in this, this routine and discipline of being in God's word. And, and so, um, what you end up with is you end up with a lot of confusion with, understanding, well, what is good? You know, what does God call good? What does God call righteous? And what does God call unrighteous? Uh, seems to me pretty clear that like there is, there are things in our world today that, um, you know, are, are sort of fulfilling that, that warning that we read in scripture that says, woe unto those who call, um, uh, good evil and call evil good. And you say, well, how could that, how, how could you ever get to a place where, where, where people, where you take these completely opposite things, good and evil, right? Like not, not good and so-so or good. And yeah, I, I don't really know, <laughs> um, if this is good or bad, like, like literally good and evil. And how do you turn those things on their head and, and, and end up with, uh, the ability to specifically label what is good as being evil and, and what is evil as being good. Uh, that's a, that's a spiritual, uh, that's a spiritual problem. Right. Um, and that's gonna, that's gonna make it difficult to sort through uh, a lot of these desires. So again, it's, I think it's about like discerning 
through what God tells us in his word, uh, discerning how God's working in our lives uh, privately, right? Like we are people of the spirit, which means like, I, I, I literally believe the spirit of God lives inside of me and he testifies to me, uh, of what is good and honoring and glorifying to God. And, 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 and he will engage me, uh, you know, in communication, uh, I with him and he with me, if I will actually honestly, engage that process, right? That's, that's this thing that God does in my heart and life all the time. And so, so I have scripture, I have the, 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 the witness of God's spirit in my life, um, the, the way in which he's dealing with me. And I have a community of people that, uh, that also become participants in my spiritual journey. Uh, and so when I find myself experiencing desires in my life that, are strong, intense, that I want to fulfill, um, I can recognize what is good, what is right, what is holy, what is just. Um, and, and then, and, and then it's on me to, to, to allow for my will to, to act in a, in a way that is contrary to my desire even again, like this, the whole art of that is lost in our world because will and desire have been so enmeshed that they're practically the same thing. But the truth is my will and my desire are two different things. And a lot of times they're in opposition to one another. Uh, and so that's why, you know, my will needs to be strengthened in those times where I find my desires pulling me away from what God, uh, has for me or what God wants for me. Um, yeah, you know, how do we know which desires to fulfill and which ones to sit with or what God's desires for me? Or is it something that I only desire for myself? Again, I think, um, you know, being very committed to like really honestly engaging those things and not just simply caving into whatever our desires are leading us to or pointing us to. Um, and, and really being people more and more of, uh, a will to do what God wants. All right. Uh, next question is how do you discern healthy fear and unhealthy fear in your daily life when navigating situations? Um, so we all know that fear is a part of our lives and I'd say a gift even, right? Um, we see fear provides some, it actually provides some safety for us, right? The fact that I am fearful of certain things will keep me from doing utterly reckless things that would endanger my, my body, right? So fear is, fear is an important part uh, of, my, uh, of my life, uh, can be an important emotion that I feel. Uh, but there is, as this person recognizes there are there's healthy fear and unhealthy fear um, oftentimes when fear is talked about and when it comes to like the fear of god in the bible the idea behind that fear is uh, what we might describe as a healthy respect for god uh, so it's fear in the sense of uh this very very holy reverence that shouldn't be a simple well i i i i shake in my boots at the thought that god would notice me or anything that I'm doing and is, you know, going to, um, like that he's, a, that he's against me, um, or 
yeah, he's he's this this powerful force in the universe that if um if if he knew what I were up to, I'd 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 be done for. Um to not have any kind of fear for God, uh, scripture tells us is like that's the that's that's the part of a fool, right? The fool lives his life or her life without without any fear or reverence for God. Um, this feeling that like I'm this I'm this human being in this world, free to do whatever I want with absolute impunity. Like there's <laughs> uh, the only consequences I'm going to experience for the decisions that I make in my life are are the consequences that I bring upon myself. And so, um, you know, without any real ultimate. Um, feeling that I'm accountable to, to, to something or someone outside of this, right? So that's a, that's a very unhealthy way for us to live our lives. Cause the, the reality is that, uh, we are living in God's creation and we are part of God's creation and we are ultimately accountable to God. Uh, we will all stand before him. And so, so I live with that, with that, that holy reverence of who God is and what God wants for my life. Uh, now unhealthy fear is, um, it is a very bad thing for us to have in our lives. Um, an unhealthy fear that has us paralyzed from moving at all, right. Of just, uh, being unwilling to go into a place that might be challenging or difficult because we're, we're so fearful of it. Uh, and so when we find ourselves in those situations, I think it's important for us to be, uh, able to bring that before God and say, all right, God, I, I feel the stirring in my heart to, to do this thing or to take this step of faith. But as you know, even before I say it, I am scared to death to do it. Um, and so I need your help and, and we can pray for God to make us more bold and to make us more courageous. And I believe God will, he'll help us. I mean, we, again, we are people of the spirit. We're spirit people. That is, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, the spirit of God lives in you. Uh, and, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you, and uh, and so we see we see that play out in the lives of Jesus's disciples, right? Prior to Jesus being crucified on the cross and going into the um, his trial and his crucifixion, we find them all scattering for the sake of preserving their own lives and well-being. Uh, we find in the aftermath of the crucifixion, as Jesus lay there in the tomb, them all just completely bewildered and their worlds turned upside down and them not wanting to be the next ones in line to undergo the same kind of end that Jesus, the one that they had been following for all this time, just went through. But then when they... Witness the resurrection when they experience what it is like to be in the presence of the resurrected Jesus, like everything changes. And it's almost as if never, ever, ever, ever again do they shrink back from any kind of challenge. When they find themselves completely at odds with the authorities of their day who have the ability to imprison them, to persecute them, to torture and beat them, and ultimately sometimes even to execute them, every single time. They fail to give in because, well, they experienced the resurrected Jesus. Like, how could they go back on what they have so come to know in their hearts and lives? And so we need that. We need to just have a refreshing in our own lives of the fact that we serve 
and we worship and we live for the God who created the entire universe. And so it literally, in the words of scripture, it doesn't matter what mankind may do to me. Um, what matters is that my life is held in the hands of an everlasting, all-powerful God. And it is on me to, to now live my life as an expression of boldness and courage for him. Now, I get that that is easier said than done. And depending on the kind of personality that you might have, whether you're the more assertive and bold type and you just don't care uh, or give a flip, whatever somebody else is going to think or do to you, um, or you're a person that is more passive and um, and and less bold and, and more like, I'm just going to like... <laughs> Um, try to uh, uh, quietly exit this particular situation uh, and not confront it head on. Like, you know, that's gonna it's gonna look different uh, for different people. But God doesn't want us to live with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit of of, of power uh, of a sound mind. Uh, all right, how do we shift from impulse to will? I always feel like my actions are never enough for Jesus. How do I navigate this? So shifting from impulse to will is uh, requires discipline. Like I was using in the example of like this decision I made about what I was going to start eating and stop eating. The impulse was to just simply give in to whatever I wanted. Like I, um, I think I shared this, but sitting in my chair in my office, I can literally go like this to a, um, a, a kind of cabinet over my desk and it, there's, uh, there's all kinds of snacks in there, uh, and candy, like, you know, all of the kinds of things that I love to eat is right there. Um, and it's been there. And so since, I don't know, again, the around the end of November, uh, I've, I've, I've not had any of those things. Now I also haven't thrown them away because I, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm never going to, uh, to enjoy some of those things once maybe I've, uh, once I've kind of reached the goal that I'm at and have found myself maintained that, and then hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more moderate with the way I enjoy those things. But that's, you know, it's an easy impulse, right? Reach, grab, eat. Um, every time I just, I, I, I felt a little hungrier, I needed a little sugar or whatever it might be. It's just that impulse drove me to do that. So will, it, will overcomes and overrides that. It says, okay, as much as I want that right now, I'm not going to do it. And, and it requires discipline. When we talk about reading scripture, like how do I, how do I, how do I become a person that, that, will read the Bible and enjoy reading the Bible. And we almost expect that somehow, I don't know, maybe the pastor sprinkles some holy water on us at some point, And then we just, you know, have this miraculous thing that I just can't get enough of the Bible all of a sudden. Like it's not going to happen that way. The only way you're going to cultivate that desire, you're going to cultivate that will is by, by doing it. Doing it when you don't want to do it, it's like that sounds like a terrible thing. Uh, we don't read the Bible because we don't we don't actually want to enough. Like that's why we don't. If we if if I really wanted to read the Bible, I'd read the Bible. If I really wanted to to pray and and have a prayer life, then I would pray. But I don't. I don't. I don't want those things, and so I don't do those things. The only way to break that and to find myself becoming a person of God's word and to becoming a person of God of, of prayer is I have to do it. I have to, I have to, I have to will myself into it. And so while I don't want to start my day like that in the morning, I, I just, I have to do it and I have to overcome all of those desires that are standing in the way from me just doing it. 
And then I have to do it again the next day. It's like, it's, it's not, I don't do it once. And then, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. So maybe I'll do it again. No, I probably have to fight through that feeling uh, again and again and again and again. And I, I can't say how long that lasts uh, or uh, like there's a, there's a line that you cross where it's just not that way anymore. I think it's more of a, a process that just you find yourself experiencing a change of these desires. And now all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not just impulsively going about my day. I'm not just impulsively allowing life to happen, right? That's like, look back, look back at, I don't know, pick a, pick a time period, you know, from today and just kind of work yourself backward the last several months or the last year, or maybe an even shorter time frame than that. And, 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 and ask yourself is, has my life been pushing me towards something or have I just allowed life to happen? And I'm, I'm, I'm here because I've been, you know, I, uh, impulses, impulse is going to allow me to survive impulse. It's going to, it's going to get me up and get me to work every single day. Impulse is going to get me up and it's going to have me eating when I'm hungry. Impulse is going to get me up and it's going to, it's just, it's going to have me following all the various routines that could ultimately define what it looks like to survive in this world. But that that's God has so much more for us. He has life of intention and purpose. And that can only ultimately be found when we are, when we are willing ourselves into what God has for us. Uh, regarding this feeling that my actions are never for enough for Jesus, you know, I just remind us all that like when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we don't have anything to prove to him. Like if you grew up in the kind of environment where it just felt like you were always trying to gain the favor of your parents, say, or of some other adults in your life, you just wanted somebody to affirm you and to pat you on the back because it felt like those kinds of things were so hard to come by. And now you've brought that into your relationship with God and like you're doing everything you can to make Jesus happy and you still are, you know, you're not sure whether or not your actions have quite met it. Like, I just, like, I need you to know that Jesus, um, Jesus doesn't have us come to him and then say, okay, well now, now, now prove yourself. Right. Uh, I, I have, I have nothing to prove to anybody, nor do I have anything to prove to Jesus. What Jesus asked for me, his simple command for me is follow me, follow me. That is like, he's, he's, he's walking, you know, if we could use the picture, um, following means that there's, there's movement. And, and so there Jesus goes and I'm following along. <laughs> and as I follow Jesus, I'm going to find myself, uh, more adopting his ways and adopting his demeanor and adopting the kinds of desires that he has. Uh, so I think that's, that's, uh, that might sound um, simple or simplistic, maybe, um, granted not easy, but yeah, like we have to will ourselves. Uh, so, so just, I don't know, like tighten your belt and say, this is what I'm going to do and, and then go for it. And then don't lose heart. Don't, don't give up on it really easily just because you're not necessarily getting the outcome or the results that you would hope for just because it's like, okay, well, I've, I've spent time praying, uh, for, for three weeks in a row, every single day for three weeks in a row. And I just, I don't feel any different about it. It's still just as hard. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I, I can tell you it, it, it'll, 
it will get it will get easier. You will find yourself experiencing uh, a change inside. Uh, and then finally, should we always be fearful of God? Does fearful mean we should be quote unquote afraid? So um, I think we kind of dealt with this one already. Fearful of God, yes, in the sense that we ought to have this holy, reverent fear of God uh, or respect for God might be an easier way for us to understand or to digest what that looks like. Yes, we live in uh, we live our lives with an understanding that that God stands before us as our King who invites us to come and live within His dominion, and and so um, uh, I I I I don't get to I don't get to walk into God's dominion and then establish my own subdomain within that dominion where okay yeah I'm going to live within the dominion of God but I'm going to have my own sort of rules and regulations for how I'm going to live my life. No, I, I when I come into God's dominion, it, it becomes about God's law. It becomes about God's order. It becomes about what God has defined is good and beautiful and right. And so I I, I live with a, a sense of respect, a holy reverence for those things that God calls holy and beautiful, good and right. Uh, should I be afraid of God? No. Uh, in fact, we are told... Um, as Christians, the way we approach God is boldly, right? Uh, the, the picture is this, um, enter God's throne room with boldness, like come before God in boldness. Uh, the, one of the gospel writers writes that when Christ was crucified on the cross, this veil that was there in the temple that separated, um, uh, everything and everybody from the most holy place, um, this, this massive veil that only one person only once a year was able to go behind and to make a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. Um, like that veil was just ripped down from the top to the bottom. And it's like, it's symbolic of this reality that where before God's presence was hidden, uh, from, uh, from our sight and, and was inaccessible. Uh, we now as Christians, I mean, not only do, like we have God living inside of us. I mean, how much closer do you get to God than that? God now resides in our lives. And, and, and so Jesus, this is why he is able to moments before he goes to the cross, he's able to tell his disciples abide in me, but my words abide in you, right? Like we live in Christ. We find our, our, our sustenance and our life in him. And so I think that the idea of being afraid um, within the context of that relationship totally undermines what it really means to experience um, uh, this life of living boldly in God's presence um, and knowing that, you know, we're not, uh, if I could say it this way, we're not these like, you know, these, um, these illegitimate sons and daughters of God that are fearful of being kicked out of the family. Uh, if we don't conform to whatever he has for us, like we are, we are truly adopted into God's family and God loves us and, um, and, and, uh, and wants to be a, a father to us and, uh, not the kind of father that domineers and dominates those that are under him, but rather one that leads with real love and real tenderness and gentleness with kindness and compassion who, uh, in the middle of our mess ups, like understands, <laughs> he understands the reality of, uh, of who we are, 
he doesn't expect us to actually uh, be like him in the infinite way that he is. Uh, that's a capacity that we'll never quite measure up to. And so uh, just like the parent of a child, uh, while it might be a little annoying when the kid spills their milk all over the place, that like I think a good parent would understand that. And instead of uh, just threatening the child with, with all kinds of, you know, fearful demonstrations and words in order to, you know, just make sure that child never does that again. Uh, a good parent, I think, comes along lovingly, tenderly, uh, and, and maybe helps the child to figure out what it looks like to do that better. So, um, yeah. All right. I, I think that's good for a good place to stop right there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll take a, see y'all again next week. All right. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of My Messy Church. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to your app store and download the Curtis Lake Church app for easy access to all of our content. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to be with you next week.